Good evening, America. What does Big Eva and Joe Biden have in common, you know, besides possible appearances on Epstein's plane? Ugh. They're both losing their minds. Big Eva's losing its mind, Joe Biden. This reminds me of the difference between an atheist and, and Big Eva. Um, the difference is the atheist is just honest about not following the teachings of Christ. It's, it's that simple. Well, most of the team is back this week. We're going to be talking about ESG, uh, uh, Biden's Unite uh, talk on Thursday night and so forth. So grab your best scotch and Dr. Pepper and enjoy the show. But first, not so long ago, the American dream was alive and well. Employees who worked hard were rewarded. Actually, rewarded because they worked hard. And employees who looked for people who could do the job, not for people who had the right political views. It's that simple. Redballoon.work is a job site designed to get us back to what made American businesses successful. Free speech, hard work, having fun. That simple. If you are a free speech employer who wants to hire employees who focus on their work and not identity politics, then post a job at, at Red Balloon, redballoon.work. If you are an employee who's being censored at work or is being forced to comply with the current zeitgeist, post your resume at redballoon.work and look for a new job. Redballoon.work, where job site where free speech is still alive. Well, belly flop or cannonball. What do you think are the top issues? facing the evangelical church think about this you know pastor pastor you know pastor burnout leadership burnout the lgbt identity crisis those that's a big issue fighting for your state to make abortion illegal that i think that's a pretty big issue facing the church uh, church leaders getting arrested during a pandemic you know that's a big issue in the u.s and canada it, this should be an easy answer but this this past week The National Association of Evangelicals came out with a report titled Loving the Least of These, Addressing a Changing Environment. And the goal goal of this study was to highlight how climate change will have the greatest impact on those in poverty. That's the goal of the study. Never mind what the pandemic did to the poor. Um, There's been a number of studies out since on that. Um, No, Big Eva has to join with Greta Thunberg and speak against big Christian families who own suburbans. That's what Big Eva's doing. You know, Big Eva's in trouble. In trouble like Biden's economy is in trouble. Uh, Biden's economy is inflated with all the killing reserves of government school economics, you know, applied government economics, and Big Eva's fog machines are running out. So they're, they're getting in trouble. They're in big trouble. The tweet of the week came from... Uh, Go thought leader, okay? Um, In other words, gospel thought leader, which stated this. And he said, those who are angry about the loan forgiveness, okay, listen to this. Those who are angry about the loan forgiveness because they have already paid theirs off are like day workers in Jesus' parable who are angry that the master paid the same amount to the laborers who showed up later in the day. Hashtag debt forgiveness. Now, think about that. Okay, that was a tweet using a parable. Now, now I, I do need to be clear here. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of wanted it to sit just for a minute in your lap, um, that this is actually a parody account. But he actually fooled some people who thought that that tweet was real because it sounded so Big Eva. The point I want to make here is that um, Big Eva will only address issues that the liberals give them permission to address, like climate change like immigration or student loan forgiveness. This is why Big Eva went silent during the pandemic. 
they didn't have permission from the liberals to to talk about the pandemic. This is why Big Eva whispers about Roe v. Wade being overturned. Hardly a peep. This is why Big Eva refuses to say anything that actually might set liberals off. But but we want to be the kind of Christians who are faithful in everything. The kind of Christians that don't care what man thinks. Or the kind of Christians that will say exactly what God wants us to say in season and out of season. Our culture is really is full of cancer, and this cancer is impacting everything. Our classrooms, our politicians, our churches, our big our businesses, you know, and and big big Eva just won't stand up and fight against this cancer. It's actually refreshing when you get guys like Joe Rogan and Aaron Rodgers speaking up, even though they they are far from Christ. Uh, and, you know, and shame on Big Eva for all their silence and all this. You know, just this past week, I'm bring Rod Martin in here. Just this past week, uh, Kyle Bass, who's an American investor and founder of cons- uh, Conservation Equity Management, was on Squawk Box this last week speaking uh, about um, ESG, speaking against some of the cancer that's coming into the business world. And and why why is this not coming from pastors? Why is it coming from investors like this guy? Um, roll roll the clip here. Policies that are ESG driven and morally driven that we should convert everything to alternative energy tomorrow um, are going to end up starving the poor children of the world. Like it's it's and killing many of them. So it's 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 counterintuitive that that could actually happen. And that's what we're seeing, Melissa, with the prices at a thousand dollars a megawatt hour, a thousand euros a megawatt hour. You know, you're going to see you're going to see real problems in Europe. I can't believe it's not on the front page of every paper every day. We, we, Rod, what are your, um, what's your take? He, he connects ESG to basically downstream starving kids. And then he uses examples like what's going on in Europe right now with the high energy prices and, and so forth. Um, what's your take on ESG and why is this, um, you know, he understands the morality of what ESG is trying to get at. And why is this influencing big business? Kyle is exactly right about ESG. If anything, he doesn't go far enough. ESG, which is environment, uh, social justice, governance, Mm -hmm. uh, is, of course, the biggest investment fad in the world right now. Uh, So great is it and so bought into it, and if anything, leading it, are institutions like BlackRock that they managed to just get three members on the board of directors of ExxonMobil who are publicly in favor of abolishing the oil industry. It's just insane. Uh, So, you know, what are they after? And when you look at it, it looks very, very much like uh, governance in China or governance in various uh, fascist countries in the past where, where the government starts taking over the leadership of boards of directors. And you say, well, this isn't government. Well, very much like censorship on Facebook, and we just heard Mark Zuckerberg talk about how the FBI leaned on Facebook to suppress the Hunter Biden story, knowing that Joe Biden would lose 17% of his voters if that story were released. In the same way, government is currently outsourcing its power to private entities to accomplish what are frankly Marxist aims. So Mm -hmm. ESG, honestly, is another 
spear in, in Marxist hands to take over industry without appearing to do so. You have the illusion of private ownership, but you actually have direction from a left that has spread beyond mere governmental institutions. And yes, the poor pay a horrible price for this. I, I spoke at a global health summit a few years ago, uh, sponsored by a bunch of Nobel Prize winners. And uh, I was I was on back to back with a doctor from Kenya who told me that they are dealing with an epidemic of people in Nairobi who are in their 40s. They, they live in government housing mm-hmm. and they all have a profile that looks like they've been chain smoking for 70 years. They're, mm. they're dying of lung cancer and emphysema. And he said, it's very easy to understand why once you realize the profile. They are in government housing, so mm-hmm. they're in enclosed apartments, and they have no electricity, so they're cooking over open fires. Mm-hmm. They're burning kerosene for light. They are inhaling all this smoke, and they're dying very young. If they had electricity, they wouldn't have those problems. All these people are dying for no good reason. If they had natural gas or coal or or oil, Mm -hmm. they'd all be living 70, 80 years like the rest of the world. So so this has immediate impact. And yes, we're flirting with famine even in the Western world because of what's going on. Mm. Do you think ESG is going to last in American business environment? I think it will if um, we continue down the path outlined by uh, President Biden last night at his Philadelphia speech, which is just remarkable. There's nothing to compare that to in all of American history. There are certainly things to compare it to in in various foreign histories. Mm -hmm. But but, uh, barring that, assuming people wake up in time, there's still time to undo this, and you're beginning to see companies realizing that get woke, go broke, isn't just an internet hashtag yeah. and, and moving in the right direction. And and we're actually trying to build some institutions that accomplish that too at Martin Capital. So, so mm-hmm. uh, we are certainly trying to propel things in the right direction, but this is a horrible, horrible road. The r- world is going down and the public by and large doesn't realize what's happening. You know, speaking of, you know, Martin Capital and, and some of the work that you're doing, w- is there a play there to, you know, buy some of these businesses that have been kind of influenced heavily by ESG um, kind of at a, at a bottom rate because they aren't as productive and they aren't financially thriving as well? Maybe buy some of these companies, get rid of the ESG and, and turn them into a thriving, successful business. Yes, there absolutely is. There's a lot of opportunity for that right now for people who have the vision to do it. We're working on something very much in that direction right now. Uh, also, my friend Kevin Freeman, who would make a great interview for you guys, uh, leads the uh, National Security Investment Consultant Institute, NSIC. Uh, mm-hmm. He's based in Dallas. Uh, uh, he'll resent that. Fort Worth, excuse me. <laughs> and uh, NSIC is training financial advisors at a prodigious rate in partnership with Liberty University School of Business in not ESG investing, but LSV investing, Liberty Security Values. And that's just going like gangbusters. It would, there are hundreds of thousands of financial advisors in this country, just 10,000 of them. Could represent as much as a trillion dollars in investable capital 
if you if you train these guys in how to do this and what to mm-hmm. look for, the polling is very clear that most Americans want something like that. And you can weaponize money in the way that the left is to advance your values and make a real difference. It, it's very much of a piece with what we're trying to do in the Southern Baptist Church and in other yeah. institutions that have been yeah. taken over. Thank you. Thank you, Rod. And yes, introduce me um, offline to, to Kevin. I'd love to get him on the show. Thank you for coming on, Rod. Absolutely. As you guys probably already heard, Joe Biden had this, I don't know, what do you call it? The unity speech, (laughs) unifying speech on Thursday night. And uh, it was actually kind of flabbergasting just how um, arrogant and divisive the speech was. But I I got this, um, bring Joseph back home in here. And I want to start with the clip here. Um, This is from Joe Biden's uh, talk on unifying talk, whatever you want to call it, on Thursday night. Roll the clip. Now, America must choose to move forward or to move backwards, to build a future or obsess about the past, to be a nation of hope and unity and optimism, or a nation of fear, division, and of darkness. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. But together, together, we can choose a different path. Um, Joseph, I mean, that, obviously, that was one clip from it. But one thing that has struck me, I think, over the last couple of weeks, I've really started to notice this, is that the Democrats are working hard this election season to really malign Republicans in a way that they haven't done in the past. So they, they're trying to basically throw all Republicans in with January 6th. What, what, how, are you, how are you taking uh, what Biden is doing in his language? It's pretty divisive. You know, it's super divisive and uh, good to see you, Gabe. You know, the, I, I think what's happening here is um, President Biden obviously is not really enthusiastic about kind of how the first two years have gone, right? By uh-huh. all measures, and this is left, right, middle. Um, he is underwater when you when you pull all the issues, economy, inflation, um, you know, the border crisis, immigration, national security issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are things going foreign affairs internationally? He is he's above water on nothing, which means his negatives are are yeah. higher than his positives on basically mm-hmm. every issue. So he can't go out and say, hey, look at what awesome stuff we've done. Uh, you know, let's just go do more because nobody's excited about what the administration is doing. Right. So what the play has been, and this is exactly how they ran in, in 2000, uh, in, in 2020, was, yeah, but Trump. And that's yep. kind of the campaign that they're running. But here, here's, this is a different, this is a different tactic. Because honestly, as I've observed this, I think one thing that's happening is um, threats to democracy are replacing racism. And what do I mean by that? The race card has been kind of the conventional historic smear. Every election mm-hmm. cycle we run around, oh, Republicans are racist, Republicans are racist, Republicans are racist. Mm-hmm. I think what we're seeing is evidence that that's no longer sticking. Mm-hmm. And especially, and you're seeing, um, you know, brown votes, the Hispanic community, the black community yeah, um, right. move to Republicans in fairly dramatic ways. And so this idea that Republicans are all racist is no longer working because right. a lot of the Republicans aren't white. So right. I think what we're seeing happen is this pivot to Republicans are a threat to democracy. That's yeah. the new kind of boogeyman. And That's they right. are and they are working very hard to convince the world 
that MAGA Republicans, and, and that term they've clearly focus grouped and, yep. and decided that does not pull well. Americans don't like MAGA Republicans, whatever that means. And mm-hmm. So they say it over and over and over and over again. And they are really trying to run on this idea that all Republicans are MAGA Republicans and they are about to destroy the country. What should Republicans' response be uh, to this? Well, I think you have to start talking about what's actually happening in the country mm-hmm. and the, the distraction is, and I think the challenge is there are so many Republicans who are still so attached to Trump. They mm-hmm. don't want to walk away from Trump. Yeah. And I don't know that you have to walk away from Trump. You have yeah. to give yourselves, you ha- you do have to create a, a forward vision of what mm-hmm. America uh, should look like and can look like and contrast that to right. um, what you're seeing with the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't want to talk about Biden. The Republicans should want to do nothing but talk about Biden, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the challenge is, is you have a media who desperately wants to see a Democrats be elected and they are going to give literally billions of dollars of unearned media to the yeah. Democrats campaign message, which is, MAGA Republicans are all a threat to democracy. Mm-hmm. So it's um, in reality, it's not a great argument, but it doesn't have to be because yep. there's nothing so absurd. If you say it often enough, people will believe it, right? Boys mm-hmm. can become girls now. Girls can become boys now That's right. That's mm-hmm. all because they hear it repeatedly. Uh, there's a significant percentage of America that's willing to agree with whatever they hear repeated. What's your take on? So I, I was, uh, I think the Republican establishment um, doesn't really like the MAGA Republican crowd. Um, and and then I think the current kind of slate of candidates we have coming up in November, and some of them are pretty weak and for for some of those various reasons, for sure. But you got Mitch McConnell basically saying, yeah, we're probably not going to get this in it. You know, you got, you got some of these like discouraging comments coming from establishment leadership where it's like, okay, you're almost just willing to kind of give up now and then you hear reports that um out of arizona that the republican party is pulling about 10 million dollars of funding from helping the races in arizona where it seems like it almost seems like a little bit to me that the establishment doesn't want um kind of uh even the maga crowd around in some sense oh there's no doubt i i think there's there's an elitist element in both the right and the left. And I don't know if I'm in the MAGA crowd. I don't know if I'm not in the yeah, MAGA crowd. Yeah, I think by most right. measures, I'm not. So yeah. I'm not like a defender of the MAGA crowd. Uh-huh. Um, but there, but but it is a blue collar community. It is kind of uh-huh. the disenfranchised. Uh-huh. And, um, and within the establishment elitist Republican circles, there are certainly people who want to be above that. There's no doubt about it. And I think um, you're going to continue to see this hesitancy. We're seeing it on the abortion issue still. Where now post Roe, right, you're seeing Republicans not want to be honest about there is no Republican position on the issue of abortion at this point, certainly not one that's unified. Mm -hmm. The Democrats are framing the entire issue for the entire Republican Party, which is you're going to throw women in jail if they get an ectopic pregnancy. Yeah. That's the position that the Democrats are saying you have for abortion. Therefore, yeah. that's what they all want. So don't vote for those terrible people who want to throw women in prison, prison right. if they get an ectopic pregnancy. And mm-hmm. what the Republicans have to do is say, hey, here's what we're for. I mean, for a heartbeat bill, for a 15-week ban, here's what we're actually for. Because they're mm-hmm. really the extremist on the abortion issue. Yeah. Um, the, 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 you know, the, the cases of rape and incest are difficult when you pull those things because they're mm-hmm. such sympathetic and difficult situations. Mm-hmm. They're less than 1% of pregnancies, yeah. uh, of course, but uh, the, the rule is getting swallowed by the exception. 
And so if you don't want to do other people to define you, you have to define yourself for them. And on some of those critical issues, Republicans are afraid to do so because you still have that elitist element that doesn't want to be culture warriors, although everything President Biden did on Thursday night was a culture war. I know. I know. For real. All right. Last take. What's your uh, what's your take on November? Do we get the House and the Senate? That's a good question. Um I, certainly, I, certainly. I mean, very. I'll ask you in a month. <laughs> it, it would be shocking if the Republicans yeah. did not take over the House. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to see the scenario in which that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the Senate is much trickier. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's just the reality. You're going to look at a couple states in Arizona and you know Ohio mm-hmm. starting to look better for Republicans. Um, you know, but yeah, it's it's not. Um, obviously the red wave that so many people were looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and that's in part because people aren't talking about Biden right now. Yeah. And yeah. if people don't, if he, we don't talk about Biden, that's good for Biden. Joseph, thanks for your insight, man. That was really helpful. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. So I think one of the uh, challenges that are going on, we really uh, identity politics is basically the art of, of taking groups of people and putting them in the box that they want to have them in. And the Democrats are masterful at identity politics. You know, you got your um, your black community over here, so they speak to those issues over there. You got your Latino or Latinx, whatever, uh, community over here, so they speak to those issues over there. They want people in these different boxes because they're easier to control. And, and, and so I think that's part of the reason why Biden's doing what he's doing. MAGA crowd, what we talked about with Joseph, MAGA crowd and so forth. Like, let's, let's identify these people. Let's put them in a box and let's, let's work identity politics out. Um, I want to bring in Jacob Daniels uh, uh, regarding this. And I, I think, you know, identity politics, uh, it, you know, it's clear our political leaders want to label and cast, you know, identity onto groups of people in order to control the narrative and and maintain power. I mean, they want ultimately they just want to stay in office, keep power. How should Christians be sorting through identity politics? Yeah, I think when we talk about identity politics, I mean, there are two key issues, uh, particularly with regards to discipleship, which the church is called to do. And the discipleship, not just limited within the four walls of the church, but also beyond that, it's about discipling the nation, and that involves our politics as well. The one issue that I see is that uh, we have become deficient in communicating the true source of our own identity in Christ. We even hesitate now to discuss mm-hmm. that there is anything mm-hmm. common about our identity. Uh, we have somehow internalized uh, that our identity is assumed externally through common affiliations like race you mentioned about just now or gender or some Mm -hmm. other external realities, uh, rather than it being inherited as children of God. And that's something we need to actually focus on as a church. Mm -hmm. It is when we forget that our identity is part of a heritage that we have inherited and are responsible to pass it on to the future generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We end up looking for it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I see is that even though we may not ourselves recognize it, uh, but the world knows it still, that there is power in Christian identity. And Mm -hmm. therefore, it fights it with all its might. That's right. And that power is about uniting people together to a cause that has a purpose and meaning and tell Mm -hmm. us. You you bring up a good point um, about how the the world understands how powerful the Christian identity is. And that that probably also plays in why the world wants so much to identify you as black or white 
or Cuban or, you know, they want to play this color identity or this social justice identity politics because it, it, they're, it seems like they're just attacking the Christian identity because it's the, it's the most powerful identity. Exactly. Uh, and this is exactly what happens when we uh, jettison God's authority and power. Uh, we replace it with something else. Now, we need to remember as Christians is that uh, this power that we are talking about as Christians is contingent on our allegiance to the Lordship of Christ over all things, mm -hmm. including how we actually uh, do public behavior in terms of our interaction with each other, regardless of cultural differences, regardless of our, uh, our skin differences. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and it is not just confined uh, uh, in any way the power that Christ offers to the church, just within mm -hmm. the four walls of the church. Mm -hmm. um, as a result of this scope of discipleship being limited, uh, what has happened is that we have abandoned our post in culture and lost our prophetic voice. So what we need to do is actually re, uh, uh, we need to bring back our prophetic voice and have mm -hmm. proper gatekeeping even within the church. Mm -hmm. the, it's so sad that the church is now adopting the world's notion of sin, which is ever evolving. They're ever coming up with new right. injustices right. rather than confronting confronting the world according to the standard of the, uh, of the word. Yeah. And as a result, it's not a surprise that we have become a cesspool of victimhood. And that's what's mm -hmm. happening uh, even within the church, rather than being a force of righteous transformation. Um, and we need to also keep this in mind that it has become a lucrative business, the whole grievance industry. Mm -hmm. uh, it has found, found its way into the evangelical circle and is finding its foothold among a fragmented people. So what's happening mm -hmm. right now and with regards to nation, if we see, we talk about America, the fundamental idea is one of e pluribus unum, right? Mm -hmm. There has to be something that unites people with diversity. Mm -hmm. And when you jettison that whole thing that unites people together, then we always uh, actually uh, stay as fragmented people. And sadly, mm -hmm. our sermons, our songs are now directed towards these fragmented people instead of those belonging to the commonwealth of Christ. And that's yeah. where the problem you know it really it blew my mind reading that report i mentioned in my monologue earlier where um the big evangelical association is uh they co-authored this report they have a bunch of partners a bunch of crazy partners with that report but basically coming out and talking about global warming climate change and it's and its relationship to causing more poor people or causing the biggest harm on poor people but then i you know in my monologue i said this too but then i started thinking about all these other issues that big eva will talk about like immigration, they'll talk about that. Um, you know, they'll talk about how uh, you know we shouldn't have all our identity wrapped up in Republican or Democrat. They'll talk about that. You know, they'll they'll talk about all these kind of subjects. They kind of have permission from the world to talk about, and they refuse to address and and like you were saying earlier, to be really prophetic about the real issues that are going on. Exactly, and I think what happens is that in our culture, particularly, what resonates with with people is emotionalism. So when it comes yeah. to, and the way we create narrative today is one that we take side on, on the side of emotionalism, not on the side of rationalism, not on the side mm -hmm. of law. So mm -hmm. what, what's happening right now is that I always talk about the American or the Western civilization adopted a framework of innocence and guilt culture. Mm -hmm. So when, uh, 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 when that happens, you have to have laws established to pronounce someone innocent and someone guilty. So mm -hmm. if you're talking about immigration, uh, we can't throw away that law completely and say that everyone who is coming in 
is valid in some sense. Mm -hmm. And we do that with all other issues as well. We have to bring back, again, this idea of truth, uh, the sources of truth being both uh, reason as well as revelation. Mm -hmm. Much of what we hold to be true today and valuable cannot be derived at unless we actually appeal to the revelation of the word of God. And that's, that's right. what we need. The foundation. Amen. Yes. Amen, Jacob. Jacob, thank you for coming on the show. Appreciate you. You got a Bonson conference that you're speaking at coming up. Yes. Shout those dates out in the, in the uh, website. Yeah. Um, so if you could um, look up Bonson conference uh, mm -hmm. on, on, online, it's coming up in November uh, 17th, 18th, and 19th. I'll be speaking okay. along with Douglas Wilson, Jeffrey Ventrella, Joseph Boot, uh, Jeff yeah. Durbin. You can't ask for anyone more. You know, what a lineup. So, what a lineup. Well, thank so you. If you are in Southern California. Please register and come and be blessed. All right. Thank you, Jacob. See you next week. See ya. Uh, you know, so I, I surround myself with, with smart guys for a reason. You know, I mean, Jacob, pretty smart dude there. Joseph Backcomb, pretty, pretty intelligent fellow there. And um, uh, I can't even get my music to turn on right now. And um, uh, But, you know, I also have me here, and then I have – John Brandon with me also. And John, John knew where this was coming. He knew where it was going. I was you going are... to be shocked if you included me on the list of smart guys. <laughs> um, why is my music not playing? Huh? Is it, is it Bluetooth? Let me check here real quick. John, we got we to have the music here, man. Um, just real quick. Hang on. Oh, no, it's there. It's there. It's just not, it's not you doing its thing. One of your smart guys help you fix your music before you I, let them. You know, you know, you just be quiet. You just shut your mouth. <laughs> let me see. Yeah. No, no. Oh, did I hit that? No, no. It's just one button, isn't it? I mean, that's so to... weird. It was just yeah. working here. One button and the music. Yeah. All right. Well, this, this, you know, we don't get the, we don't get the nice country music here for me and, me and, uh, you know, silly me and silly John <laughs> on news that John Brandon can trust. So like, like we said, every week, you know, we have to bring you news that you can trust. I mean, you just saw last week that Facebook was including with the White House on suppressing free speech. Uh, the White House um, emailed Instagram with a link to an account saying, hey, will you delete this account? And Instagram responds and says, yeah, you got it on it. On it, White House. On it, buddy. So we yeah. got to bring you news that that John Brandon can trust because the only news that you can trust now is, is what a comedian can trust. So, John, what what do you have for us? Well, what I've got is news that's even more important and dire than what's going on in Washington. Uh, first up, Gabe, there's a lot of shark sightings, record numbers of shark sightings on both the East Coast and the West Coast. And I think that is going to be uh, important to the majority of our listeners. And so I'm going to, uh, you know, our listeners probably don't live on the East coast or West coast. We're, we're, we're been, you know, we're that, we're that MAGA crowd in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, how dare you discriminate? So I'm going to offer some uh, advice to okay. beachgoers and how you can stay safe during these uh, summer festivities in the waning months of beach. Go uh, stay out of the water. Uh, 100% of the sharks sighted have actually been in the water. And to date, not a single shark has been sighted on land. And so to you evangelical preachers, it's not necessary to cancel church services. Um, <laughs> what about a lake? What about a lake? 
Well, there is a possibility that the sharks are going to show up in public schools. So you parents need to be warned about that. Um, yeah. Take precautions. Uh, also, masks and vaccines have proven ineffective against all shark bites uh, <laughs> of every size, including it, shark nibbles. It, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't uh, uh, the, the vaccine is not going to protect you from a shark bite, huh? Nope. Not a okay. bit. All right. uh, next up, Gabe, equally important. Dogs... Uh, produce larger volumes of tears when they are reunited with their owners than with acquaintances, possibly because of surging oxytocin levels or oxytocin levels. If you're a, if you're a scientist, uh, <laughs> this is a finding that has uh, they are they are thinking. This is a finding that is the first evidence of emotional crying in non-human animals. Wow. That's what they think. Smoke. This is this sounds like to me like the uh, uh, big Eva Evangelical Association would co-author a report like this. Mm, well, here's the thing: dogs also produce larger volumes of urine when, uh, which they emit on the floor when they're reunited with their owners. But nobody's suggesting that this is evidence for emotional peeing in non-humans. <laughs> here's the thing: before I would believe that dogs are. Uh, having human emotions, my yeah. dog is going to have to stop sniffing people's crotches. Um, yeah. Because this embarrasses me when he does it, but it does nothing to bother him. It doesn't bother him at all. <laughs> That's a sh shame, on, shame on you, right? Well, is it an emotion or is it not? A human emotion or not? Crocodiles also shed tears, don't they? Uh, <laughs> is that evidence that crocodiles have dog-like emotions? Oh, look at that poor, look at that crocodile. He's stopping just like a puppy. Oh, he likes you. Yeah. <laughs> the crocodile likes you. <laughs> uh, now, here's the, uh, here's the thing that is going to tie into what you guys were talking about a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not like I'm just out in left field, completely disconnected from everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been confirmed that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against powers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Mm -hmm. According to multiple media sources, Donald Trump has ousted Satan as the primary source of evil on earth, but he is in fact flesh and blood. Therefore, they're not true. So this is, fans, this is good news for fans of evil, because it means that even if Trump doesn't run for re-election, there's still going to be plenty of corruption and wickedness to sustain our government. Did you see uh, CNN tweeted, um, breaking news? That was it. That was all they tweeted. <laughs> it's just breaking news. <laughs> it's like, was, did, was Biden helping you finish that tweet or, or whatever, you know? Yeah, just know. It, breaking news. Is a, is a principality tweet, you know? Principality and powers tweet. Well, technically, it's not wrong. There's always news breaking. Yeah. Uh, all right. And this is the final thing that, uh, that I have for you this evening. Uh, Jason Farley, you may know Jason Farley. Uh, is, <laughs> I know of him. We're going there. We're going there. <laughs> Jason Farley is actually suspicious that Baptist theology is the cause of both inflation and global warming. Um, <laughs> but he's not about to say this on a public podcast. <laughs> no, he already, he already stepped in it earlier. He has learned his lesson. <laughs> so how, so maybe, maybe what was Jason saying? What, you know, how was he connecting, you know, Baptist view uh, there? How's that connecting to inflation and global warming? Like what's wrong with Baptist that that got there? 
Well, there are, <laughs> you're going to have to ask Jason about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let am, you make something up. <laughs> I, am, I am not about to try to expand on, on <laughs> what Jason was doing. <laughs> I mean, because you're a Baptist, aren't you? Me? Yeah. I mean, no. you believe in you believe in credo baptism, or or are you pedo Baptist? You no. don't know. No. You, well, you don't we, got kids anymore. <laughs> we you know we actually talked about that on the podcast on the comedian oh. store this week, and. Oh, uh, wow. My my views have have uh, shifted somewhat yeah. oh. over the years. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, everyone's gonna have to check out comedian next door. That was uh, what what day did that show drop? Uh, Monday. Monday, great. Monday. Well, I'm yep. I'm gonna check it out now. Now that you, yeah, it's it's not quite as controversial as what uh, Chalk Knox and Farley do. Did, yeah. You know, we have our moments. You're getting in there. You're getting in there. Well, hey. News that John Brannion can trust. Thank you, John, for coming on. Look forward to seeing you at our Fight Laugh Feast conference in Knoxville, October 6th to the 8th. Catch you on the flip side, John. Yes, sir. Okay. So, as we kind of think about uh, Big Eva and the relationship to identity politics, you know, the, um, you know, Big Eva, it really does blow my mind that Big Eva wants to address issues that liberals allow them to talk about. And yet we can't get Big Eva to stand up um, during the pandemic. You had um, Russell Moore uh, during the pandemic, you know, sporting two face masks, driving around, taking selfies of himself uh, during, during the pandemic. And, and so you had, and, and, and I just found out um, a couple of weeks ago that um, uh, Al Mohler Seminary required masks for the whole year um, during 2020. And we're, so we're going to have a crop of pastors graduate. They, they, the, the freshmen in 2020 from uh, Al Mohler Seminary should be graduating this year, three-year three year program, if, if they did, followed the three-year program. And they're graduating this year. So we have a, a crop of pastors coming out of seminary who spent their whole first year submitting to masks in the classroom. And masks don't work. Submitting to that lie in the classroom at Al Mohler Seminary. And these pastors are going to graduate and go out into churches. They've already they've already practiced what it means to submit to Big Eva. Not exciting a crop of pastors coming out this year. So go find ways. You know, I, I really hope this show just encourages you to go find ways to engage in this world with your gifts and abilities, and don't don't hide your faith under a bushel like Big Eva, and and live out the lordship of Christ in every area of your life. This is the Water Boy with Water Break. Until next Sunday, go fight, laugh, and feast.